Welcome to this episode of the 9420 Podcast, where we talk about the music that we love and the industry that we tolerate.
everyone, and welcome to this episode of the 9420 Podcast. That was Alan Williams with Think of the Night. Hi, Carl and Greg. How are y'all doing? Hello, Nicole. Episode 101, baby. Triple digit. We made it. I know. 101. I really like that track. It's very prog rocky. Again, what what is it? It is retro. Retro, Retro, yeah. (laughs) I, I really dig it. You know, the punchy drum track, very bright compressed uh and kind of That's intricate single, right that yeah. so that is his latest single off of his yeah. latest album i gotta um, love the guy man who there's a single who releases a single these days with a a drum fill in the middle <laughs> you know? i know greg you were loving the drum fill oh uh, yeah man i was like playing air drums you know i mean i i i like that kind of thing i i was an avid progressive like kind of fan in the 70s uh these guitar tones frog frog yeah, I was a prog frog or whatever. Uh, these these guitar sounds are like straight off of 1970s Ronnie Montrose albums. This is, is a cool track. Really, I want to know more about him. Did we talk to him? We did, but we'll get to Excellent. him. We'll get to him later. We've got yeah. we got other Excellent. things to talk about tonight. I'll get my silly thing out of the way. <laughs> I have to. I have to apologize. I think I've really mellowed or softened as I've gotten older. I don't watch regular TV. I love to binge watch series, right? Mm-hmm. Like I just finished the um, Stranger Things, which is kind of cool. So there's nothing to watch, right? So for years, I've stumbled across this one show. I had no desire to watch it. Figure it's hokey, it's stupid. So finally, it's on Hulu. The show's over. You know, it's, there's no I'm more. In suspense. What is it? The show Nashville. You've never watched the oh, show, Nashville. Let, let me say, let me say, I thought, I thought hey, I'm sorry. I, I didn't tell you guys earlier. I have to go. <laughs> well, anyway, I can't I watched, record tonight. I watched the show, Nashville. Oh. You know, I'm, I'm telling you, I thought it'd be hokey and cheesy. It's not. Keep going. It's no, hokey I watched, and cheesy, I think, dude. Whoever's the consultant on that show about mm. the music industry has got it pretty right. For one, because I lived there, and I lived a lot of that. What's going on in that movie? And like, you know, they they go to the Opry. They go to the. It takes place half the time in the Bluebird. You know, the the, the whole writers' rooms down in Music Row are kind of correct. You know, the they even had a show from the CMAs, and it's at the CMAs. It's like it's it's kind of real. And 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 one thing. So I hate to say it, but it's kind of authentic. I like it. Um, I Carl, I I just I. Maybe I have been watching the wrong show. You ever watch it? Yeah, I watched every episode because uh, my daughter was on it. Kate was on it like several episodes. Well, you know, I live in Nashville. I think it's pretty accurate. And one thing I'm interested about that show, though, where'd they get all those songs? Who well, the, 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 the music is actually interesting because so I think or the first couple seasons, music supervisor or person in charge of music was T-Bone Burnett. So I didn't necessarily have a problem with the music. I had issues with, you know, the kind of fantasy land that the outskirts of Music Row was presented like. 
What's cool about it too, I see a lot of like my musician friends. I see like Pat is all over the Bluebird, Pat Buchanan. I yeah, see, yeah. They use I see those a bunch of real that, players, you know, yeah. you know, because I've been on that, that Bluebird stage and I've been yeah. like, you know, at the Opry and I've been in that. You know that they created uh, a perfect facsimile in a sound stage of the Bluebird. That's not actually the Bluebird. Really? No, and they, they did. And a lot of people were confused when they went to Nashville to see the Bluebird if they first saw it on the show Nashville <laughs> no, because, just, because, because of how how they like drive in and drive out and how it's like the standalone and it's it's in this little like kiosky mall across from mall. Green right no, I, I disagree yeah. that stage looks the same no no, no. the stage <laughs> the stage is is the same but the out, out the exterior of it is not they made it a is? replica of the inside it's the same yeah. exterior yeah. yeah, when you're no. when you're when in the show, they talk outside. They drive up to it. They drive like they're the outside. They're showing you like the exterior. They're yeah. just not filming inside the Bluebird. Well, it looked good to me. Anyway, well, and you know it's funny. They there's I think there's a couple of episodes where they filmed on military bases, and they always filmed at Fort Campbell. So they always put out like a PSA for the military wives to come and be extras for it. And I was always away when they did it, but I have some friends that did it. You've touched a chord with me. The reason I'm so resentful about it is that I've asked people that know, and this may sound strange to you, but you know, the gentrification and the population explosion and the loss of almost everything authentic about Nashville for the last 25 or 30 or 40 years. Right. People believe that the impact that that television show had on the national persona of this city, they believe that it was the major change. It was the, it was the kind of the, the touchstone or the, um, the tipping point and it absolutely destroyed authentic Nashville. I'm excited for you to finish the series and we'll see if you still are a Nashville fan. Oh, it, gets weird. it gets weird. Okay. Anyway. Well, speaking of TV shows or at least TV in general, I watched a documentary on Paramount Plus called The Day the Music Died Yesterday. And it's about Don McLean's um, song, American Pie. And it, showed me so much about that song and so much about like the how it not just came to be but like him fighting for it that it was just a very interesting piece to me and I wanted to talk about the song American Pie because I learned a lot about it and wanted to get your guys' take on it because well, right, I know right off, right off the bat if they can dedicate a show to a song yeah. it's, it's a pretty I, I think it's an iconic oh, there me, we go me. again with the iconic there. well then this it, is it iconic is. I'm sorry yeah. don't yeah. you think American Pie is probably one yeah. of the most iconic songs of American yeah. catalog yeah. Like, uh, no many, question it, it's like it's, it's, it's ridiculous you know yeah no question I mean I would say it's in the top 20 pop songs written in the last 100 years I think even higher than that, you know, you know I, I, even though the Beatles, I think are better and this and that, but that one song is like, it transcends everything. Everybody yeah, I, knows I, I never get tired of hearing that song either. Do you? No. 
when I hear it on the radio, I'm like, I'll turn the radio Long, up. long, you know. I love the line, I don't know why, but I love the line like, the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Took the last train for the coast. I, I, I love that. It, it's so cool. It, it is a great song where he talks about Dylan and the yeah. Beatles and the Stones. No, and- so that's the thing. He went into it. And what's interesting, he went verse by verse and explained the meanings of all of it. Because apparently there's been a lot of like rumors or talk about what he meant by certain things and the I think there was only one of them where he did mention James Dean or something like that he's full he's full baloney but no (laughs) he's wrong the jester was Dylan you know the sergeant sergeant playing a marching band that was Beatles I'm sorry no you have to watch it because he (laughs) went into it it and broke it down as to why certain things were the way they were I think Don McLean's a maniac, and he's just he's just lying. <laughs> he, he and it's is, not right. He I is know lying to make the conversation the interesting. The day right? Buddy Holly died. No, so <laughs> the first verse is about the day Buddy Holly died because for some reason it really like held on to him. Like for him as a kid, like that was a very tragic day, um, and he always like felt some sort of like kinship with buddy holly so that first verse was always about buddy holly because of that but the rest of it is more kind of talking about america and a couple of things that like either were personal to him or just were more general topics that he felt during that time period needed to be spoken but in a very different way so that's where he was explaining the other verses because there's like six other no, he, he's not being honest. He's not being honest. You know, you know the jester, it, it, it's Bob Dylan. If you look at the song, he talks about the stones, just, just jumped over his candlestick, jumping Jack Flash. You know, the, the sergeants, you talk about Sergeant Pepper. It's all, it's real baloney. It's what it is. He's Carl, talking about you stuff. need to know, you <laughs> must watch this. Like, I don't this care is, what he says. This is so <laughs> crazy. I, I, I am speechless on the podcast. Uh, it's so crazy, <laughs> Carl. That you're defending said. the idea that the guy that wrote the song is basically perpetrating some he some is. scam he on is. us yeah. when he says this is what the song's about. Because I've, no, I've seen the guy. I've seen the guy in. I've seen the guy in interviews. He wants to come off like <laughs> it's 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 more like deep and more. Perf- it's not. It's exactly what I'm saying. It is, and whatever he said, it is. If it doesn't agree <laughs> with what I'm saying, he's lying. That's what it. if? What if it's stream of consciousness? Right. Maybe he doesn't even realize that's what he meant. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to watch the show. You should watch it. <laughs> to move on from it, we were talking, Carl, before the we started recording about the fact that this not only is American Pie like the American iconic song, but the fact that it is also um, unique in it is not that normal three minutes. It's an eight and a half minute song right. that sold over five million records, I believe, and made the top or it was the number one spot on Billboard for a while, which is unheard of. They did make a cut for radio that was two and a half minutes, and people got so up in arms. They called right. their radio stations and told them that they wanted the full eight and a half minutes to be played and radio stations ended up doing that instead of the radio cut because the amount of calls that they would get. And I think there was one radio station that just played it for an entire day over and over and over again, because you just, you you don't get bored of the song. Well, and Carl wanted to know too, like 
American Pie for Don McLean, like that basically like makes his career that type of song, right? When it comes to well, like, I mean, he had, he had another huge hit. Vincent was right. a big hit. No, I know, yeah. but but that one song that that that's a retirement song. You could you do that song. You, that was back in the day too, when you made money on publishing. So. He yeah, made yeah, a lot of money. He made he a lot of money, money with that songs. He sold a lot of records. Yep. Greg, you, you, you know the numbers. How much song, how much money could that have song generated over the years? That song over its lifetime probably generated in performance royalties alone, probably five to ten million dollars. So yeah, that, that that's a career song. Yeah. I mean, because he's yeah. had people yeah. like Weird Al and Madonna and Jade Bird all cut different like remixes of it over the years, too. So yeah, of course. Well, on that note, do we want to hear some more music? Yeah, let's hear some more. <laughs> From Don McLean. <laughs> Has he ever been on Nashville, the show? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> get him. Maybe later we'll get uh, Don Kirshner, Kirshner Jr.'s uh, take All on the Don Dons. McLean. Don, yeah. Don <laughs> McLean. Don Kirshner Jr. Jr. here. <laughs> uh. Everything Carl said was correct. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we listen to Alan's next single, Giving You a Warning? But before we do that, why don't we listen to our sponsor for this episode, which is 9420 Crowdfund? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by 9420 Crowdfund. 9420 Crowdfund, the premier crowdfunding platform for indie music artists. Get the best elements of crowdfunding without all the hassle. To learn more, go to 9420crowdfund.com. Again, that is 9420crowdfund.com. For crying out loud, won't you turn down that radio? I'm drowning in the sound of things that I don't need to know. Some interesting photograph 
This reminded me of something like would have been on the second Huey Lewis record. We spoke to Alan. You want to hear from him? Yeah. Why did we speak to him? Because it's our questions of the week. <laughs> wow. Cool. I'm back. I'm back. You're back. All right. So the first question that we asked him is to tell us a little bit about himself. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me on. Um, let's see. I am a college music professor by day, musician by night. Uh, it's a great day job to have if you need to have one, and most musicians do. Um, I was in a band called Birdsong at Morning. We have a few albums that are out there for folks to find. My last album, uh, Evidence on Earth, came out under my own name, and I have a new album called Currents coming out under my own name. Uh, comes out August 19. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's an interesting, the album is not exactly a pandemic album. Uh, a lot of the material was written just before the pandemic, sort of in the Black Lives Matter, climate change, election chaos stuff. Um, and the, and the uh, pandemic only adds to that flavor. Most of those issues are still with us and only more so. Uh, but the album itself was recorded during the pandemic, which meant that we had to sort of do it in isolation. The drummer recorded in his basement, sent me tracks via email. I could work with musicians one-on-one -on -one if we kept the appropriate distance and wore lots of things on our heads, etc. Um, so it was a challenging pro album to make. Uh, it took a little bit longer as a result of that. I also know a lot of musicians when we were in lockdown made music, and so it was a sort of a healthy way for me to get out some of the ideas and feelings I was having. Um, but now it's out and uh, Currents uh, reflects that title Forces Beyond Our Control Moving, Shaping Maybe You're Drowning But Maybe You Can Ride the Waves I don't know why but I feel like him and Greg would be really good friends Yeah, I, I'd like to be friends with him <laughs> Um, and what's nice is, so his album Currents comes out on August 19th, and we were able to debut Giving You a Warning here, which is the second single off of the album. So that was a nice little He said cut. he's a music professor. Mm -hmm. Is that Belmont? No, no, Belmont? no, no, no. Alan works for the music department at UMass in Lowell. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. He's in Massachusetts. So yeah. He's not far from Berkeley. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So the second question that we asked Alan is, what music artists have inspired your career so far? Right. So growing up in the 70s, 80s, uh, I guess I was exposed to a lot of that classic rock. So starting with the Beatles, that was a big and big one for me. Um, but also Pink Floyd, Zeppelin, The Who, all that stuff. Um, in the 80s, I became a major Prince fan, you know, all the obscure B-sides, etc. Uh, in the 90s, I became a, like a folk 
British folk rock fan. Richard Thompson was a big influence. Um, and then when I went to grad school, I was an ethnomusicologist. So all this world music started filtering in uh, West African music, Cambodian music, Middle Eastern music. Uh, it's all in there somewhere. Um, I suppose I'm a fan of well-produced uh, pop music. Um, and I feel like all that's in my music somewhere. Uh, you can probably identify it pretty obviously in some cases, maybe less obviously in others. So it's a weird thing of saying, who do you sound like? I sound like nobody and, in a way, everybody at the same time. See, this guy's problem is he's too intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> he actually knows what he's talking about. Nothing we've ever been accused of, right? <laughs> yeah. No musicologist, the, baby. That's a, bad, that's a badass thing to be. We what they're talking about and knowing that what they're doing. We don't want that. To be. We want stupid airhead musicians. <laughs> We're just winging it, man. I don't know what's going on like they just make I want it with johnny it. rotten on meth that's what i want <laughs> oh man either this is gonna be a great episode or they're gonna come and actually i don't actually i like uh things like ian anderson right so he just turned 75 shout out to uh my 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 boy ian anderson right 75 man. 75 years old yesterday. and still if you ask me Anyone who knows it, the greatest riff of rock and roll is Aqualung. I'm sorry. It's 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 it. There's no better. You know, these things, people that say are riffs, they aren't riffs. That's a riff. Whatever. What's next? Didn't we ask uh, Alan one of the... We did. We asked him one more question, and it was, what would he change in the music industry today? Oh, this will be interesting. You know, I think if I could change something, it would be to eliminate the algorithm. Um, I recognize the benefit of all the sort of recommend engines, but I feel like in the end, it shapes us and controls us more than we shape and control it under the illusion that we are discovering and finding things uniquely to ourselves. Uh, it's a little bit of that sort of matrix world paranoia coming in. But um, I would long for audiences to truly be able to discover of their own volition and of their own accident music that appeals to them. Um, you know, I feel like we, we operate under the, the pretense of sort of a, a free and democratic world, but we are very much controlled by so many forces in the industry knows how to tap that. It uh, doesn't always know how to tap it effectively, but I think it is as restrictive in many ways as it is facilitating, um, both for the music production. It's a wonderful time to be a musician. You can make your music easily. You can get it out to the world relatively easily, but I think it's almost an illusion that the world finds you. That's the biggest challenge. So anything we can do to circumvent that, maybe true word of mouth, tell your friends, etc. I'd love to see us return to friends. It seems like a good idea. This guy this guy can be on our podcast any time. Well, he he's likes right. Because that is he's absolutely one hundred percent on point. I will say this, you know, the Spotify aspect or the algorithm aspect of listening and discovery, which is a big theme for us here at 9420. I am just now coming of age with Spotify. You guys forced me into using it and I use Spotify. I've completely messed up, by the way, I've completely messed up the 9420 algorithm. I'm sure that you're noticing that when you sign on, you're having to listen to her or at least scroll through all the weirdness that I partake of. But I have discovered that this algorithm is 
more effective by genre than you might think. If the genre is um, weird, the algorithm is pretty fantastic. If I put in exotica music, for example, it will play me three days of stuff that I haven't heard. And most of it is very listenable. If I put in pop, I can't listen to it for more than 15 minutes. But, you know, when it comes to pop, it's so vast. You know, but, you know, it's funny. We're so fickle as human beings. I remember back, like, 15 years ago, I remember when Pandora, to me, Pandora was the first one to do the algorithm thing. And, right. oh, it's great, man. You put in, like, the Beatles, and, and it suggests other stuff, and it just finds stuff along that I same- hated the first thing they played me. Did you? No, but no, but we, we said, isn't this cool? Isn't this cool? It, it's smart. It sees what you like. And initially we thought it was cool, but now we hate it. You know, it's like yeah. it's like anything else in life, you know, initially like, hey, isn't that great? You know, but then as soon as it gets, you know, oh, this is we hate this. You know, so I don't know, man. He's right, yeah. the algorithms, but it's not going away. You know, again, yeah. what do I say? Pull the plug, man. You say that at least <laughs> once an episode. You know, like, you know, where is the internet? Is there a place? Where is that? Is like there's a little basement somewhere with the internet? Can we just blow it up? You know? Probably just blow up Google. Didn't Google go down last week for like an hour or something like that? Something. Really? Yeah. You're yeah. kidding. Wow. That's bad when cool. Google goes down, baby. What are we going to do? I think the last time it's Google went down was like seven or eight years ago. Crazy. Kids have to go to the library. What's the library, Dad? Yeah, there we I go. Go to the, the library or or go bowling. Yeah, bowling. I love going to the library. I used to get on my bike. It was, it, it, my mother let me stay out late when I was like 14. I'd be like 9 o'clock. I'm at the library, Mom. You know, <laughs> you know it was great. I love the library now. I take Kenzie. We go get books. We peruse. We just it's, – yeah. it's leisurely. No one's on their cell phones. It's quiet. How many college campuses have that little beer bar called the library? So when your parents call, your roommate says he's at the library. <laughs> yeah, so you know, I, I totally agree with Alan. He's totally right. You know, um, I wonder what he thinks of Don. McClain. Yeah, I was about to say. I wonder <laughs> if he agrees with you on what Don McLean just said. Send him a speak pipe on that, and we'll get his. Uh, you know what? That that's next week's question. Do you think yeah. Don McLean was telling? I'm sure. I'm I'm changing the question. But that means you have to watch the documentary, Carl. No, I don't. Yes, I you love do. making. A, I love criticizing and making judgments on things I know nothing about. <laughs> Everybody, that's my talent. You know, making judgments and opinions about things I know nothing about. <laughs> know nothing about. You know, I. I you know, you know, yeah, pretty much. I'm sorry, you just you know, have a feel for that being I bogus, can walk right? Into a room of, <laughs> I can walk into a room of of thermonuclear physicists. <laughs> Yeah, and they're discussing something, like and I can give my opinion. No, you know? That's bull. <laughs> That's baloney. <laughs> I would love to see that. With such conviction. Well, the thing is, just got to do with conviction. Oh, 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 doctor, so and so, you're such an idiot. That's ridiculous. That's not going to happen. I will. I will say this. I have, uh, you know, I I've always said I despise those laughers, those people on radio where they're paid to laugh at the other person. You know, I hate that. But I have genuinely laughed several times in this episode because Carl, you are. Uh, you're special tonight. I, 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 I'm ridiculous. Today I know I'm whenever, totally ridiculous. Whenever we're recording this, I know I'm totally ridiculous. I I even see the absurdity. So are you? So are you the jester of this podcast? Then I guess yes. so. 
Yes. You and I are the king and queen, and he's the jester. And, and a jacket made by, uh, not James. <laughs> I don't know who my jacket's made by. Anyway. <laughs> All right. You ready to get on out of this episode? I guess so. Are we going to yeah. do our, our thing first? Yeah. So why don't we hear from our unofficial official sponsor, Bongo Java? When are we going to make them official ever? When they finally respond to us. Has anyone been contacting them? Yes. Their social media team and everything. And they're they're like they're like ghosting you. Um, they just I they just it's an automated email. Like we'll get back to you if we, we can. Gotta send, maybe we gotta send them a hard copy, like a CD. <laughs> a CD. I, the last time I was there, I stood in line next to Bob, who owns the well, joint. Why don't you say yeah. something, Greg? I don't know. I don't think he. I don't think he's going to support the podcast well, with any then, monetary. Then, you know. You know. You know but what? maybe then he'll just play it and stream it for us. We're gonna bring him down then. You know, we're gonna, you know, we're, we'll change right. it. No, from now yeah, on, we're gonna take him down. He's no longer down. the unofficial boycott. Boycott. <laughs> <laughs> we're boycotting your unofficial position. So then I, we boycott. So then I guess we just get on out of this episode then. Yeah, we boycott. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, but from this moment on, we boycott Bongo Java. Between now and uh, no, I'm not doing that. When I'm when I'm in town, I like to get a, a coffee. Oh, we still uh, can go there. We just between now it. and episode 102. Let's find another unofficial official sponsor. Okay, on it. I, I will figure out something. All right, yeah. man. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the 9420 podcast. Make sure that you listen all the way through because we have one more single by Alan called Great Escape. For everything that we talked about, you can go to our website, which is 9420.com. That is the numbers 94 and the letters T-W-E-N-T-Y. Until next time, we'll talk to y'all later. Behind. Grab your coat and we'll be on